Freedom and forgiveness are our topics today, July 7, 7722 on this episode of The Next Step, number 735. Hi, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries welcoming you to a 15th season of The Next Step podcast with Father Vazgen. With these podcasts, Father Vazgen provides a very distinct and consistent voice for Armenian orthodoxy. It is the means for providing people an intelligent and practical answer to life's difficulties, based on the solid principles of love, faith, and hope as expressed by our Lord, Jesus Christ. We produce these shows every week for a vast audience, which includes those who are searching for practical and deeper applications of faith, the disenfranchised members of the church community, and, of course, the neophyte. So we invite you to sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready to take the next step. You know, when I reflect back on my ministry and I look at all the different things that have taken place, that particular time, about 15 years ago, was it was just a very... Um, ministry alive time. How can I say it any other way? We were just living the ministry in in many dimensions. It was 15 years ago today, to the date, July 7th, 2007. The sevens lined up. Seven, seven, seven was the date. And we celebrated forgiveness we had a conference on the, on forgiveness, and I want to share some insights on that today, but also this happens to be the 4th of July weekend, and uh, I gave a sermon Sunday about freedom, about independence, and well, I thought to myself, well, I gave that sermon in Armenian, let me do the English on the podcast. On Monday morning, we woke up to the reality that Fourth of July was beyond celebrating this year. For in fact, in this beautiful free country, the day on which we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence, of freedom, there was a, a, a guy who went out and took advantage of that freedom. Is that the way to say it? Was that advantage? I don't know. With an assault rifle and he shot six people at a 4th of July parade in Chicago, in the outskirts of Chicago. I think it was called Highland Park. I remember that name stuck out to me because there's a Highland Park not too far from us here in Pasadena. And um, I don't know. It, it, it's like, how could you talk about freedom? You know, is is this what freedom leads to? You know, here we are 246 years into freedom, and now we have freedom so much so that you're able to buy whatever you want, including assault rifle. And now they're talking about, let's put restrictions on these gun purchases, right? <laughs> and uh, let's make it for only people over 21. <laughs> Interestingly enough, this kid that shot people last Monday at the 4th of July. He was a kid, and so he wasn't even allowed to buy that rifle unless he had apparent permission. And sure enough, his father went with him and bought the assault rifle. I'm not talking about a, a, a hunting rifle. I'm talking about a gun 
whose sole purpose is to assault, to kill other people. And he did. Six people. And this is just a string of these violent activities here in the United States. So it's kind of interesting that I would even dare to talk about freedom and independence when we've seen that freedom just gone wild unbridled. So I want to talk a little bit about that. We'll do that in the second portion of today's show. I need to, and I think we need to discuss it. It, 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 It's beyond a disease at this point. It's epidemic. I mean, we're just getting through COVID and there's like new strains. This is even worse. This is like every day you're hearing about people shooting people. What is, what is this? Yeah, it is epidemic. And it's a sickness, it's a disease. And we do need to talk about it. We do need to talk about, is this the extent of society? Is this where we end up in, in, in society that is free? I know many times people will complain about Armenia. And I always caution them. I said, you can't complain about it. It's only been 30 years of independence. I mean, look at the United States. 246 years of independence, and so they don't have it right. But there is a dream that they're following and they're trying. But this year, I'm embarrassed to say that. I mean, what are we trying? What is the dream and why have we gotten off course? Why aren't we still dreaming that? Instead, we're talking about going out there and shooting people, about hatred. I mean, crime, violence, escalation. Sometimes I tune in to talk radio. This is like a phenomena. Talk radio, the hatred that they—it's like it's like a fire, you know—and um, it it goes down. But there's always a few kindling. Um, there, there's a few pieces of wood that are still red, and you use them as kindling, okay? You put a few more things on them, and you spark it, and then you've got a new fire. Listen to these talk show hosts. There's a very famous one. I don't even want to say his name. Very famous. Right-wing conservative. I mean, you listen to him, and you go, what? This man, he purports to be a man of God, too. Like he believes in in God and all all it is is just hatred. He's just spewing out hatred. And you go, where is the connection here? Where is the connection? Every single day I struggle with this. Because we're talking about our religion, our faith, Christianity, which is a religion of peace and love. And I understand that others say the same thing, but... You look at the model that Jesus Christ gave us, and it's completely about love, nonviolence, about peace, peace on earth. And so at the very least, at the very least, I expect somebody who is claiming to be a Christian, that he's a follower of Jesus Christ, at the very least, I expect that person to say that, you know, yes, this is a faith of peace. Like, I lay down my weapons. I don't do that. I don't believe in violence. There is a higher order that I need to serve. 
And I know, I, I know, I'm not going to pretend we live in some kind of uh, utopia. I, I know people get upset. I know that weapons are around, and I, I know the arguments for war and everything. But at the very least, I'm saying, very, very least, as a Christian, you have to at least, at least, again, I'm saying it's the very least, at least have these words in your vocabulary, right? You need to at least be talking about peace, saying that that is really what Jesus was about. Okay, I can't live up to those standards. I know that there are issues of war. I know that people have come and they've slapped me. I've turned my face and now it's this, the other side. And how many times can I do it? And all these arguments come about. But at the very least, let's have a common denominator. Let's at the very least agree that Jesus Christ was a non-violent revolutionary. He was somebody who advocated that you can change people, you can change systems with a very simple message and action of love. So he gave us he gave us the blueprint for it. A lot of times people say, well, Jesus should talk to us now. No, actually, he's told us everything there is to know. There really is. You've got a beautiful blueprint there. It's a blueprint for for love and peace. And yes, I, I agree. I know. It's it's not just this. It's not pie in the sky. It's not this panacea that you can't uh, latch on to. It can be done. And the very least dream, the smallest dream that we need to have is to say, yes, it can be done. So it was... 15 years ago today, July 7th, it was 777, and we got together and we organized a conference. It was one of the, it was during the early times of In His Shoes. We were really, really uh, active, advocating. We had already gone through uh, the divestment of Darfur. We had petitioned and won a $5 billion divestment from the Sudan, from the state of California and the regents of the UC system. We had been out there. We had been talking to people. I had just returned back from uh, Rwanda. And there I met some of the people who were actually forgiving on a daily basis. Whereas in the Armenian genocide, we created a diaspora by being exiled from our homeland. The Rwandans were forced to stay in their homeland. So on a daily basis, think about it, you're seeing the perpetrator of the crime. This would be akin to people who, after the Armenian genocide, ended up staying in Turkey, uh, primarily in, in the main cities like Istanbul or Ankara, okay? And um, yeah, yeah. In Rwanda, it was a daily event. And so I met with people. And one particular one uh, named Ben Kayumba and his wife, we invited to come out and be speakers at the 777 conference. They spoke about forgiveness. So here's the deal. This is why 777 is so important. In the Gospel of Matthew, Peter you know, the famous disciple, one that went to Rome. Peter comes up to Jesus and asks him a simple question. He says, Lord, if my brother sins against me, 
How often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Now think about this, okay? If, if somebody hurts you, one time you could forgive. Two times you can forgive. By the third time you kind of notice that there is a pattern developing, right? By the fourth time. So seven is really quite a lot, quite many times. To forgive somebody seven times. It all almost like borderlines that maybe something's wrong with you, right? Uh, hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me, right? If you hurt me twice, like, shame on me that I didn't learn. So seven times, like, whoa, what? <laughs> you didn't learn? You didn't figure out that this guy was bad news? So Peter asks, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? How often? Seven times? And Jesus turns to him and says, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. What? 77 times. We might as well have said seven times 77, right? I mean, think about it. What? He's, he's not using a, he's using, this is where I get into it, you know. When, when people come up to me and they say, oh, well, you got to take the Bible literally. No. No, it's not a literal document. The Bible is true. It's not about facts. It's not about factual. It's not about literal readings, too. Lord, if, if, if my brother sins against me. Oh, it says brother. That means if my sister sins against me. No way. I don't need to forgive. Well, it says brother here. So my sister, come on. Everyone knows. You know it and I know it. That Jesus is talking about people. Of course, we wouldn't understand it that way 2,000 years ago. I mean, women weren't just in, in the mix. They weren't in the the formula. So, you know, you just wouldn't think about it. But today, yes, it means people. Jesus was asked, how many times should I forgive someone, anyone, who hurts me? Seven times? No, not seven times, but 77 times. Not 77 times, but 7 times 70. Not 7 times 70, but 7 times 77. In other words, always forgive. That's what that means. Always forgive. <laughs> don't do the math. You don't need to multiply. You don't need calculator. You don't need to figure out what 7 times 77 is. You just need to understand that Jesus was saying you always forgive. And this forgiveness formula was something that we adopted in, in his shoes. It's one of the pillars of the in his shoes philosophy of what armadoxy is. And I personally believe that this has been the formula by which we as Armenians have survived. And beyond survival, have created a new people. A new kingdom. You know, as I've told you all the time, you know, that, that, that quote that William Soroyan has, it's, it's not about Armenians just doing it. It's like there is this mystical quality. Well, where is that mysticism coming from? It comes from this very basic formula, 7 times 77. In other words, you need to move forward. When you don't, what happens? When you don't forgive, you 
stay in the past. You're dealing with these pasts. Collectively, I know Armenians get up every April 24th and we talk about the Turks being this way or that way. And I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, if not a month ago, this picture that we found, 1927 picture of the Armenian genocide survivors. These were people that had their wounds open. Not like the kids that are walking down Wilshire Boulevard every year with t-shirts, our wounds are still open. No, these were people who had their wounds open. They were assembled in Los Angeles celebrating the birth of the United States of America, their new home, the place that had opened its doors to us. And yes, Sunday I showed that picture in church. Yes, I'll put a link on today's show notes. You could check it out, okay? You could check out Sunday's sermon too. In fact, we brought out the picture. It's a huge, like six, seven foot picture of, of a picnic that takes place in 1927, 95 years ago, the, the year that our diocese here in America was established, Western Diocese. And uh, so when I referred to it in my sermon, I had the deacons bring it out and show it to the congregation. There's maybe about four or 500 people there. And so the archbishop um, asked the deacons to take it through the through the aisle. If you watch the video of it, it's kind of amusing that this huge picture is traveling through the aisle as I'm speaking. This was this past Sunday. But here's the interesting thing. You look at that picture and you see an, a generation which had every right to complain, but instead they're celebrating their new home, their newfound home, right? And when you look at all of this and you realize that this is the way we've gone forward, not by denying it, but by moving forward, you've essentially said that this is a new page, a new chapter. And we can call that chapter a forgiveness chapter, right? Forgiving, we always think about in concepts, in, in ideas of like, well, okay, I'm going to forget about it. No, Jesus from the cross, what did he do? He looked down at the people and he said, Father, forgive them. He forgave everybody from the cross. Here we are 2,000 years later. We haven't forgotten it, right? But it allows you that 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 strength to move forward. And so, you know, on April 24th, I've I've shared this many times. When we go to these rallies and everything, just say the Turks are forgiven. Once you say that, what happens? It becomes a reality. Well, who who are you going to forgive? Someone who's perpetrated the crime, okay? So then, done deal. We know that you did it. That's why we're forgiving you. It's done. It's said. This past year, I think earlier in this year, with our Bible study group, we read... The Book of Forgiving by Bishop Desmond Tutu and Mafo Tutu. I highly recommend it, and I'll put a link on today's show notes. Of course, Desmond Tutu, he's talking about these huge concepts of forgiveness on on the global level, on the patriotic level, about apartheid in South Africa and everything. We talk about forgiveness in terms of uh, forgiving people who have who have done mass atrocities. The Bible talks about Jesus, the Son of God, being up on a cross. And 
the concept of forgiveness, okay? And you say, well, you know, mine isn't that bad. <laughs> I just can't get along with my brother-in-law, or I just can't get along with my children. My parents really have frustrated me, okay? So, you know, don't put me in that category. No, these are all things that hinder us from having a decent relationship with life, not just with the person, with life, because you need to move forward. And that's what this book is about, the book of forgiving, I'll put a link on today's show notes. I recommend it. Please do check it out. But one of the beautiful things that he does is he gives an exercise every week. And the first ones really were interesting to me because he had us go out and find a stone, something that was very special to us. And I found this little stone that actually my grandson had had played with and it became my object. And he was talking about the, the weight that that stone has. Yeah, that that was one of the conditions on finding the stone. It had to have weight. And actually, I'm holding it right now. And, and it's something. Imagine holding it. I can't remember if he said for two hours, three hours, four hours. But imagine holding this weight and then uh, the, the stone. And then when you open your hand and you relieve it, imagine the tranquility that comes over you because this is this excess weight that you don't need. And that's what it is with forgiveness. We always think about Jesus as being this pacifist that takes you, you know, it's like the weak man's religion. No, it is an incredibly disciplined religion. It requires you to really take the higher road, the divine road. Imagine when somebody does good to you and you repay it with goodness. Somebody does evil and you repay it with more evil. That's that's human nature. If you repay goodness with evil, that's, well, that's satanic, right? But think about the fourth alternative, repaying evil with goodness. What is that? That's divine. That's the God, that's the God love. Right? Repaying evil with goodness. Now think about it. God did that to us. He he gave us, he showers us with love. He gives us Jesus Christ. And we don't deserve any of the goodness that we get. Even as simple as having a beautiful day. Having the breath that you breathe. You know, the goodness, the gift that God has given you. You have to really think about it. Do I deserve this? God says, of course you do. You're my child. Of course you deserve it. Here it is. It's given freely to you. Now do the same to others. And so Jesus puts that right into the prescription that he offers us in the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Okay, God, I know you've forgiven me. How much are you forgiving me? Well, Jesus says it. I'll forgive you as much as you forgive others. Wow. There you go. Now the burden's on who? On me. Not on God. It's personal responsibility. I need to forgive. I need to move forward. And in that forgiveness, this is where we find peace. Because once you forgive, you've let it all go. And now you can work towards peace. You can have peace. And so what we did... Back then and, uh, and on the 15 years ago, on 777, we 
embodied the sevens. Each and every one of us that were there at this conference made put out one of our hands on what well we extended each of our hands one hand with the palm down one hand with the palm up so that we would be part of a human chain and artist Gregory Bailarium put this all together in what we called the universal uh, peace spiral so we embodied we made up human sevens and on this art piece we are all in a spiral working for what? Peace. I don't know if this exists on the internet. I don't know what happened to that spiral. It must. So I'm making a note right here to make sure it's in the show notes. Do check it out. Let's take a break right now, okay? We always do. and We play a little tune. Just give us a t- little time to catch our breath, to kind of sort out what we're doing. When we come back, we'll be talking about, well the freedoms that we have and what we do with those freedoms. Here's my pick for this week's Song of the Day. Meanwhile back in the year one When you belong to no one You didn't stand a chance, son If your pants were undone Cause you were brave And so To society One day you'll wake up In the present day A million generations Removed from expectations Of being who you really want to be Skating away Skating away, skating away, on the thin ice of the new day. So as you push out from the shore, won't you turn your head once more and make your peace with everyone? But those who choose to stay will live just one more day To do the things they should have done And as you cross the wilderness Spending in your emptiness You really have to pray Looking for a sign that the universal minds has written you into the passion play Skating away Skating away Skating away On the thin ice of the new day And as you cross the circle line When the eyes will greet behind you're a rabbit on the run And the silver splendors fly In the corner of your eye Shining in the setting sun Well, do you ever get the feeling That the story's too damn real And in the present tense All that everybody's on the stage 
skating away on the thin ice of a new day. Did I need to tell you that? (laughs) By Jethro Tull. Wasn't that beautiful? I love it every time I hear it. Can never get enough of it. That's from 1974, War Child album. I hope you enjoyed it. Brought a smile to my face. It always does. And just music that's meaningful along with words that are even more meaningful. Anyway, I will have a link on today's show notes so you could avail yourself to all the wonderful music that they put out. Well, as promised, I said I'd talk about freedom and independence during the second portion of today's next step, but not without a tie-in to what we just talked about, namely forgiveness. In the discussion of forgiveness, when we talk about forgiveness, we understand here is a new tool, a new means by which we can discuss our freedoms, our independence. In other words, we always talk about freedom, independence. It's been won over by guns and weapons and revolution, by people laying down their lives. In fact, freedom is one of those things that you can't put a price on it. Why? Because the price of freedom has always been measured in terms of blood, in terms of sacrifice, people dying for it. Well, think about this. Perhaps it's not about dying Physically, but it's dying emotionally, dying by ego. Perhaps it's about, well, forgiveness. Because in forgiveness, what dies? Your ego dies, right? Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains a single seed. But when it does die, it produces much harvest. We always think about the death, the physical death. Think about the emotional death in forgiveness, the opportunity that we have to let the ego go. And when you look at all major religions, real religions, it's about the, the, the losing of the ego. It's about putting the self to one side. I mean, with all the images of, uh, of God and the hugeness, and I think about this in Judaism especially because you sometimes um, get into this whole discussion about the ego and where it is. I, I know in Christianity the ego has to be forgotten. I know in Buddhism it has to be forgotten. I know in mainline. But in Judaism you, you start thinking about, well, the ego is inflated it comes up no actually when you look at the 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 stories of god when you look at the psalms and it's always putting god ahead of everything else that entire idea is about losing the self to something greater than yourself and forgiveness is that first key to it right so think about that freedom independence when we talk about it we talk about these ideas in political terms because we think about well you've got to go shoot them up and if we can kill a few people then we can liberate them and they can have their independence why perhaps there is a different independence a different freedom that we need to be seeking and it was it's with this that i want to start off this portion of the next step talking about freedom, independence, because it happens to be a holiday, a holiday weekend, 4th of July. And though there is a 4th of July in most everyone's calendar here in the United States, it's an opportunity to focus in on freedom 
It's Independence Day. And when you look at the Declaration of Independence, the words in there, right off the bat, right off the bat, tell you about the spiritual uh, the spiritual dimension of liberty, of freedom. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Think about it. A truth is self-evident. We don't need anybody to explain this. Very plainly, that all men are created equal. Okay? People are created equal. Yeah, I know. Don't get caught up in these small little things. What says men? What about women? No, no, no. At the time, yes, men had a different uh, different status. Today, it's different. And yes, all men and women, all people are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator. This is in the Ind- Declaration of Independence. The word creator. It says they are endowed by their creator with unalienable rights. And it says among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Ah, we got another trilogy. Just like the Holy Trinity, we now have three different rights, unalienable rights, that are chief among all the rights that we are endowed by our Creator, okay? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. This trilogy, where else have you heard these three things? Think about the home blessing in an Armenian church. The priest comes to the house and blesses the home. He blesses bread, water, and salt. Bread, life. Bread is life. It's the necessity for life. It's the nourishment. Liberty is the water all around you. You can't contain it. It goes all around you. And what's the third thing? The pursuit of happiness, the salt. Flavor. Pursue that flavor. Have flavor in your life. That happiness. And so life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all along the the, the same the same foundation is armadoxy, right? Just take somebody to put it all together to make those connections, right? But they're there. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This is in the Declaration of Independence. This is what we celebrate on 4th of July here in the United States. 246 years we've struggled with this. Struggled with the notion of uh, establishing our identity based on these things. And I I use that word uh, intentionally, struggled with it, because it is a struggle. All good things, all good, I don't care what they are, all good things they come about with a struggle. Even the, the small little child comes into this world after a struggle of childbirth, right? All good things. And uh, it's interesting because we we struggle because we want it. We struggle to get this good thing. Once we have it, what do we try to do? We don't know how to contain it. So we start to t- control it. That's what freedom is like too, right? That's what people are like. You bring this child into the world. You don't know how to contain it, all its excitement and all its energy. So then you start to control it. And what does that child do in in response to all that? Seeks his or her independence, right? From early childhood, after the first couple years where it's completely, totally dependent, unlike any other animal in in the animal kingdom, a child, a human being is dependent on his parents 
And after those few years, and little little hints at independence, as easy as walking down the street or walking into the store and say, hold my hand. Nope, not going to hold your hand. That's the first, that's the first, uh, um, <laughs> that's the first rebellion, right? I'm not going to hold your hand. I'm going to be walking through the store. I'm doing it on my own. Um, put them on a little tricycle and then bicycle. What do you do? You run with the bicycle and then you, you let go. So the bicycle starts rolling. What is, what does the baby say? What does the young person say? Dad, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. I can do it. I can do it. And as they become adolescent, that first major, major um, move to get a car, to have their own wheels. That's like a symbol of independence. This is no different than what we read in all classical stories. Uh, it's about the move towards independence. Look at the Garden of Eden story. What do Adam and Eve do? They want to show their independence of God. And so they have this rebellion. But it's important that no matter what you do, if you're going to seek that independence, you've also got to accept the consequences. That's one of the big problems, right? People want the independence without taking the consequences. Okay, you want to be independent. It means you're on your own, buddy, right? It, as simple as when you leave home. Yeah, okay, you're going to live on your own. Get ready. you got to pay for all these uh, things that were being paid for when you were home. That's something that a lot of times people uh, miss. And you're very fortunate if 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 you get it. It's important to understand that all of our actions have consequences to them. This is not a spiritual thing. Actually, it's very scientific. To every action, there is an opposite and equal reaction. Well, it's true in the, the real world, too, what you do. It's part of the the growing process. And we see that as people grow and they they understand that they are in charge of their own destiny, the ultimate freedom. They also understand that they have to take responsibility for the life that that freedom has created. So when you think about it, yes, we have this, this opportunity to focus in on freedom, how important that freedom is, how special that freedom is. And uh, what happens is a lot of times we get this freedom and we lose ourselves to what that freedom can get for us. And this is primarily in my head, at least right now, I'm thinking about the materialism that comes along with that freedom because you're free to work and you get the work, you get the money, and you somehow buy into the illusion that all of this is because of because of the work that you do, and you deserve, you deserve better. You deserve to have better things. And those better things are vicious cycle. Because better means you're comparing it to somebody else. Instead of saying, hey, I like that, I want that, and I want to enjoy that, we are, I want that because it is better than another thing, whether it's another person's or another item. Let's take something as um, mundane as an automobile, right? You want a certain type of automobile that has certain bells and whistles. And then you see a better one along the way. You may not be able to afford it, but you extend yourself. And now you're in that vicious cycle because you have to figure out how to make the ends meet to pay for that better automobile because it is better. 
when all along it is really four wheels. And yeah, the bells and whistles may be good or here or there, but it essentially gets you from point A to B. So you've lost yourself. You've lost your your ideas of what the intention of that automobile is to the idea that it has to come with the with the, the bells and whistles or all the extras. And we do this all the time. We do it not only with things like um, with uh, automobiles, but also with relationships. And we lose relationships. And so it's very important to to have a a balance in our lives. To understand, yes, the life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. These things that we aspire to, they come but at a certain cost. And that cost cannot be higher than the value of these items. That, there it is. It's a, just a very simple economic, um, uh, an e- economic principle. Uh, being an Armenian, I, I work, uh, and an Armenian priest, I work a lot with people from the Middle East. And it's very interesting to me that from some of the most hostile areas in the Middle East have evolved some of the greatest Armenian church people. I don't want to say Christian. I know people will take offense to that. They'll say that, well, they're not really Christian and everything. No, they, well, that, that's not my decision. But I do know that they are very active within the church, active in the sense of understanding their identity. And this could be from Iran, from Syria, from Lebanon, from Egypt, places where, you know, there are certain hostilities towards Christians. There are certain hostilities towards the Armenian people. And yet they've been able to maintain their identity. Interesting, right? Because here in America, where we have the complete freedom with no hostilities, nobody's saying you can't do this, and it's so easily forgotten. We we've submitted to what we call the white massacre, being massacred, our identity being lost. And America says this right off the bat: this is the the great melting pot. So when you come into America, you can struggle to maintain your identity, or you can turn it around and say that I am going to be adding my ingredients to the melting pot, which is, I think, the the idea that they want to get across. That's what America's about. You come here and you you contribute. I pluribus unum, out of many, one, right? That's, I think it's on coins or it's on, it's on currency somewhere. Out of many is one. And that's a beautiful, beautiful um, sentiment, uh, one that, that we repeat on, especially on Independence Day. But here's the thing. Where's that delicate balance? Because you do want to maintain, you do want to keep your identity, especially as a Christian, as an Armenian, as an ethnic identity, whatever it may be. You look at people in uh, different circumstances and we talk about freedom. What is that real freedom that you have? People who have it, but they lose another part of themselves. Others who don't have the freedom and they are able to attain it. And when I talk about um, delicate balance, I think about this. We say that um, rich people, they have money. They can do anything they want, right? Yes, they can. There's a certain freedom in that. If a person wants to, she's rich. She can buy out a plane, put her family in it, and take her, take them anywhere 
they want. If a man is poor, he can't do that. Well, the rich person at the end of the day has to struggle because <laughs> has all of this wealth and can do all these things, but then is also worried about the means, worried about where the stock prices are, where the investments are. Can we maintain this lifestyle? And you know, I don't need to tell you, that's a vicious, vicious cycle. The poor person in turn can't do any of these things. He doesn't have the the um, the difficulty of saying, how do I maintain my wealth? I don't have any wealth. But to be able to put food on the family's table, to be able to have some of the luxuries of travel and spending are, are, are not in his vocabulary. So you've got to find that, de- that delicate balance between the two of having and having not. And that's really uh, one of the biggest struggles that we have within, within free countries and free societies because you do have that freedom. And now we come to the extreme. Here in America where you have complete freedom and now we are opting to abuse that freedom. Abuse it in the sense that, well, you heard this week, another killing. Six people. And you know what? I'm I'm sorry. It was seven people. It was six last night when I was listening to the news today when the news, um, when I caught up with it. I think they've upped the number. Seven people in Chicago, in Highland Park. Before that, it was a group of people in a grocery store. Before that, it was a group of people in a synagogue. Before that, it was a bunch of kids in an elementary school. Before that, and you go, what? What do you mean before that? What? You're counting these? Yeah, we are. Daily events. And this is in a free society. Because you're free to do what you want to. You can go out and purchase weapons. You can... You can feed your habits. You can feed your psychosis. In the Armenian church, we have a, a, a thanksgiving prayer, which is recited every Sunday during the Holy Divine Liturgy. We, we offer thanksgiving to you, our Lord. And in there it says, Yechbarts merots kerelots. The, our brothers who are in servitude, Keri, they are in servitude, they are slaves. And, uh, you know, a lot of times when we listen to these words, it's easy for us to think about the political prisoners, those people who are in concentration camps and so on. But how about the people who are slaved to their wealth? Slave to the freedom that they think they are enjoying when in fact that freedom is really a cause of their worries and what we call stress. Stress, yeah. It's one of those things that we don't talk enough about, but it's all around us. And when we talk about uh, about our faith and issues of our faith and Jesus Christ, to me, it's got to be included in there, the, the issue of stress. Because what is the ultimate happiness that a person has? What is the ultimate freedom that is given to a, to a person? It's the freedom to be able to put your head on a pillow at the end of the day, said that I used my talents, I did what I wanted to, and I put my head on the pillow feeling content. I am satisfied. I'm not in want of anything else. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's how simple it is. And I think 4th of July becomes, or Independence Day, freedom. It becomes an opportunity for us or an invitation to all of us to really examine what are the freedoms that we have. What are we doing? How are we attaining those freedoms? And when you're looking at it, you find that the ultimate freedom, to tie it in with what we talked about during the first part of today's show, the ultimate freedom begins with our willingness to sacrifice, with our willingness to say, I forgive, I'm sorry, I forgive. You have forgiven me, therefore I need to forgive others. And you see, that becomes the invitation for true freedom. That's the freedom that lets you move forward. That's the freedom that lets you do what you exactly want to do without bringing the baggage along. This past Sunday, I gave this sermon at the cathedral. And uh, I'll put a link on today's show notes. If you get a chance to watch it, it's interesting because... I referred to a picture that I shared with you, the next steppers, about a month or so ago. It was a picture from 1927 on this day, 4th of July. It is a 4th of July picnic with survivors of the Armenian genocide. You wouldn't know that. They were all dressed up. They weren't in tattered clothes. Their wounds were still open, but nobody had a T-shirt that said anything like that. And in fact, um, in in this picture of maybe about 300 people with their priest, the Armenian community in Los Angeles, Holy Cross, they were celebrating the 4th of July, Independence Day, at a picnic, and they were all dressed up. Beautiful. Beautiful garments. They were all looking really fine. And they were celebrating. And I use this as an opportunity on 4th of July to primarily at the cathedral where you have such a large immigrant population to show people, hey, look, here's our ancestors. Ancestors who had every reason to look grungy and horrible, but instead quite the opposite. They were... They had changed the, the, the conversation. You're not going to feel sorry for me. You're not going to feel sorry for me because there is a basic dignity that nobody has taken away from me. And it's interesting if you watch the video. I, I When I was speaking, I had a couple of the deacons pick up this picture, which is about, a, it's, it's pretty large. It's like, I think, six feet long. It's a huge panoramic picture. And um, I had them pick it up and show it, hold it up, to the congregation and the archbishop was there and he made he gestured to them like walk it through and so these two deacons they go through the entire church sharing this picture with people as i'm talking so that was kind of like a a fun little moment there but i think that this this picture the story is an important one and i'm i've I'm running up against the clock. I'm going to end it right here. But I do invite you to read that story. It's going to be on today's show notes. It's called The 1927 Picnic. Uh, something like that. Creating a Picnic and a Diocese. Or... Anyway, 1927. That's the marker. Look for that. It'll be in the show notes. It's worth your reading. Okay, that does it for uh, this portion. Here's Susie to make her announcements. I'll be back in just a couple moments to tie it all up.
Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vazgen. Well, thank you, Susie, for that announcement. And thank you, all of you, for your letters, your concern, your wonderful uh, thoughts and prayers encouraging us as we transition to a new new. Um, new dimension of the Apostle.net series. We have a date for you, September 25th. Put it on your calendar. If you happen to be in the Los Angeles area, we'd love to have you with us in celebrating uh, this this new chapter in the life of the Apostle. We're going to be uh, at the Serpose-Revontiance this Well, thank you, Susie, for that announcement. And thank you, all of you, for your your love, your support and most importantly for your prayers for this ministry those prayers they they help us in a very very real and dramatic sense we are undergoing a major overhaul and an expansion of the epostle.net line of broadcasting and i have some great great news coming up for you um september 25th that's going to be the launch party and I'd love to have you join us. We're going to be in Burbank, California. It's a little outside of Los Angeles. If you happen to be in this area or if you want to make a trip down here, please plan on it, okay? Plan to be with us on that Sunday where we celebrate the Divine Liturgy at the Serpots-Revontiance, the St. Leon Armenian Cathedral in Burbank, after which we will launch this new series of Epostle net programming and all of you that are regular donors and are part of it you're going to be getting so much stuff and information about it that you will be a part of it don't worry about it okay but i'd love to have you in person i spoke about um forgiveness today today being seven seven well it's seven seven twenty two but at one point it was seven 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 and we did this big conference like i said look in today's show notes and there'll be links to it but here's an opportunity for you i have some t-shirts left from that time yes 15 years later we found a box of them and they were hermetically sealed so they are in primo form yes no moth holes nothing well you know i wouldn't give you anything like that right they are nice t-shirts on the front it says seven times 77 and on the back it says, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother? How must how many times must I forgive him? Not seven times, but seventy seven times. An infinitum you're supposed to forgive, okay? So um it's it's a beautiful t shirt 
and it's yours for the asking. All you need to do, drop me a line at feedback at epostle.net. Again, feedback at epostle, that's apostle with an E, electronic means of doing the apostolic mission. Feedback at epostle.net. Not .com, not .org, .net. Drop me a line, just send me an email, and say you'd like one of these t-shirts. Give me your size, and as long as the t-shirts last, I'll be happy to send them to you at our expenses. Nothing from you except your kind wishes and your kind prayers. Drop me a line, let me know you want one, your size, and most importantly, don't forget your address. And we will send it by regular shipping, okay? Allow two to four weeks for delivery. Okay, that does it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed producing it for you. I look forward to being with you again next week. But in the meantime, I want to steer you to all the usual spots. We're on the socials and, of course, at the mothership, inissues.org. On behalf of our producer, Susie, and myself, Father Voskin, I look forward to seeing you again next week when we will take the next step. Stand by for disclaimer. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. Demandment and production crew vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. I forgot to ask you if uh, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Uh, Bye.